Welcome to Book Bistro, where book enthusiasts come to chat about the books they love in a warm and supportive environment. episode is airing on Tuesday, January 17th, 2023. Hello, everyone. It's Shannon back with you for a Tuesday morning episode once again. Today, I'm sharing an interview that I did with author Katie Regan, and we discuss her novel, How to Find Your Way Home. So this is kind of a, a family story, a women's fiction story, um, a little bit of, of romance, but definitely not at its core. Um, I hope that you enjoy it, especially if you've been looking for kind of a nice like family dynamic story to dive into. So let's get right into it. We'll get started with the housekeeping information followed by the interview, and then I'll be back to chat with you about some of this week's new books. You can find us on Facebook, by searching for the Book Bistro podcast. Once there, you can post to our timeline. You can also message us privately. If you want a more social interaction, you can join our Facebook listener group, which is pretty quiet at the moment, though we are looking at some ways of possibly revamping it. If Facebook is not your thing and you still would like to hang out with us, check us out on our WhatsApp group. You can subscribe to that either by messaging us through Facebook or by sending us an email and one of us will be happy to add you. If you're looking to get a hold of us via email, you can do that by contacting the book bistro podcast at gmail.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Book Bistro podcast. This is Shannon, and today I am here with author Katie Regan, and we are discussing her latest novel, How to Find Your Way Home, which is releasing here in the U.S. on February 15th. Katie, thank you so much for joining me today. Oh, thank you for having me. You are very welcome. So can we start with a brief introduction to how to find your way home so that our listeners can have a little bit of an idea what to expect? Sure, yes. Um, so How to Find Your Way Home um, is my second novel that I've had published in the States. And it's, um, it's I, would, I would describe it as a family drama. Um, it's about um, a brother and sister, Stephen and Emily Nelson, who grow up um, very close and bonded um, on Canvey Island, which is a little island in the middle of the Thames on the east coast of England. Um, and something happens to them. They're a very, you know, ordinary uh, brother and sister and an extraordinary they go through an extraordinary experience in childhood, which kind of catapults them apart. Um, and we meet them at the beginning of the book when they've been estranged for 17 years. Um, and the book is really about if they can put to peace the past. Um, they embark on a, on a birding trip together. Um, Stephen's a very avid bird watcher and they're both kind of really into nature you know because the Canvey Island is 
very beautiful spot um, in England, full of sort of uh, mudflats and salt marshes. Um, and they embark on a birding trip together, which was something that they sort of cooked up as, as children and they, they get the chance to do it now. And they sort of, um, they put the past to bed, I suppose, and um, find their way home, I guess, in a spiritual way and also in a uh, literal way, because Stephen, when she meets him um, 17 years later, is actually homeless. Uh, and she's working in the office of a homeless department in a council in, in London. And that's how their worlds collide again. So, yes. I love family drama books. In fact, we did an episode um, here on Book Bistro last year about books that kind of revolve around family drama. If yeah. this would have been out then, yeah, um, we, we could have used it. <laughs> Yeah, no, it would fit very, very well into that kind of genre. It's um, it's kind of emotional and it's uplifting and it deals with some, you know, I mean, I guess ultimately for me, it's about the things that we do for love, you know, the things that we'll do for our family, um, yes. you know, when the chips are down. So that's kind of the overarching theme. Uh, but there's lots about homelessness in there. There's lots about nature and the healing power of nature, about birds, about sibling bonds. Um, so, yeah, hopefully it's a, it's a very sort of rich novel. I worked with homeless people when I was in graduate school. Really? And so I have, you know, a certain amount, um, not a ton, but a certain amount of experience with mm -hmm. that population and just kind yeah. of the challenges that they face here in the US, um, I assume that it's somewhat similar in, in mm. England, um, although I'm not 100% sure of that, obviously. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think these things are universal, aren't they? I mean, I, um, I spent some time, I, I, I've always volunteered at, you know, homeless uh, shelters. Um, ever, ever since I was a teenager, I, I, I loved doing it. You know, I, I first volunteered at one when I was 17 and I just loved the kind of resilience of people and you know um they sort of have you know a lot to actually teach us about about what's important I think and about you know human resilience like I say and so I was always inspired to write something about a homeless person and I was and I, I guess I used the idea of a brother and sister because I was interested in if you've got a brother and sister who are brought up in the same home with the same opportunities you know what makes one of them become homeless and one of them not and um so it, the novel sort of explores that and I got I was very lucky enough to talk to quite a few uh, people who'd experienced homelessness or were experiencing it now about how you know the importance of a safety net you know and the importance of a community to support you and when that sort of like has gone you can quite easily fall through the cracks you know so that's something that's very much explored in in the book I read a novel a few years ago and I don't know if you can access it in the UK but it's mm -hmm. called Outside the Lines and it's oh. by Amy Hatvany H-A-T-V-A-N-Y mm -hmm. and it's another sort of family drama that revolves around um, a father and daughter and the father is actually homeless and has been estranged from his family for a number of years and it kind of talks about how you know his daughter tries to find him and be that sort of supportive you know safety net for him 
and the ways in which that it does and doesn't work. Oh, that sounds fascinating. I'd love to get my yeah, if you can find it, you should uh, yeah. pick it up. It, it's very, very, very good. And I feel like it it does a really good job of kind of exploring homelessness and mm-hmm. talking about sort of what all the things that kind of land people in that situation and the ways that, you know, we can help and the ways that we can't. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, um, and, and also how, you know, we're not so far away from that ourselves, you know, there's not that much that separates us and, and, and homeless people, you know, it's often a kind of combination of, um, you know, it's often to do with bad luck and, you know, a few broken relationships Yes. A lost job, you know, you can quite easily find yourself in that situation. Um, and it really opened my eyes to to how close we are to kind of disaster, you know. Um, and that's something else that I was interested in exploring. Um, yeah, go on. So I'm curious to know, just as you were writing it, like, did you, when you were writing this particular book, like, did you know kind of how you wanted it to end up? Or as you were writing did it sort of unfold for you organically? Oh, well, this book was, was let me tell you, how long have you got? Um, <laughs> I, um, this was, I, I don't think I've ever written a book that's been through so many drafts and so many changes. And, you know, I've, I've kind of, it, it took me so long and there were so many changes that I've almost forgotten what the book was right at the beginning because it bore, you know, it bears no resemblance to what it became at the end. Um, I think that at the beginning, if I'm honest, I kind of, I was concentrating perhaps too much um, on the homelessness situation as a sort of theme, you know, and and kind of the drama, the family drama got a bit lost in that, in all that research, you know, you can imagine, you can get very, very weighed down with the research, you know, and then you forget that you're telling, you know, you're supposed to be telling a, a fantastic yarn you know so so I would say that the 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 changes that took place were all to do with bringing that story out but still keeping the theme really strong and making it really um authentic you know as authentic as possible and um you know I'm really kind of meticulous about about research and I I spoke to so many people housing officers homeless people you know I mean I knew nothing about birds and he's an avid bird watcher. So there was all that research to do as well. Um, so I ju- but I just had to keep an eye on the fact that I was keeping the drama at the center. And that is, I think, what took me the, the time and what constituted most of the sort of draft changes were things about plot and story. So do you think that your plot sort of emerged first overall, or did you kind of see the characters before the plot? Definitely the characters. And, and I tend to do that. It tends to be the characters first, but I, I kind of, I think I made it difficult for myself. I mean, every book's different, you know, some, some books like the story's just there and then you kind of have to really work on the characters and they don't come until you start writing it. But with this one, it was like, I had Stephen, you know, really kind of at the beginning, he, he came through really strongly to me. Um, I, I love writing about men. I love writing men characters. I, 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 for some reason, I find it a lot easier than writing female characters. Um, and so um, this is a roundabout way of answering your question, but yeah, so I think they definitely came first. And then I, I struggled to be honest to, to kind of really nail down the plot. I got there in the end, but it took a lot of 
a lot of hard work. Um, and it was fine. I think it was when I decided um, that then, you know, when I decided on the thing that had happened in the past that was to kind of change their fates and, you know, change their direction in life, that that's when everything became a lot easier. Ah, so you had kind of a point then where you felt yeah. like, okay, things were, were clear. Yes, I had a big turning point and I had a kind of twist. I, 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 it, I, the twist for the ending came to me then and then that made it easier to go back and, you know, put together the pieces to lead to that twist, if that makes sense. I spoke to an author yesterday, um, Bethany C. Morrow, who is um, a Black author who's been published for a few years now here in the U.S. And she was telling me that for her most recent book, the thing that she knew first was the twist. And then she built her story around the twist. And I just thought that was such an interesting way of writing. Like, you know, okay, I want this sort of big you know, complex thing to happen. And then you have to like build the rest of it around that. And I was just really, really fascinated by that idea of like forming a novel around kind of this one thing that, you know, will happen at the end. Yeah. I mean, often, you know, I have heard that before in a different way. Um, the, the sort of advice of, um, you know, in fact, I've got a sticker right here on my desk. (laughs) Do you know what it says? It says, it says, how does it end? Question mark. Then work backwards. <laughs> so ah, yes. Oh yes. <laughs> so, um, so I think this is you know there's so many ways of approaching and, and finding an entry point into a novel, but sometimes yeah, like the ending is the entry point almost. Like that's what you can start with if you know how it ends. But I think she must be very clever to to have thought of the twist first. Um, yes, yeah, she. <laughs> I was just like, oh my gosh! Like I yeah, thought, yeah. you know, of like a million ways that. Yeah, I yeah. would approach a book were I ever to write one instead of yeah. just talking to people who write them. Um, and mm. it never, ever occurred to me that mm. like the twist would be sort of the, the entry. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yes. I think, um, but yeah, that's, that's something for me to think about for the future actually, because, you know, like I said, you just need to find a way in often with novels. And that's the kind of, it's almost like you're, you're pushing at different doors, you know, and you can't quite find your way in. But, you know, I suppose if, you, if you're able to come up with a killer twist and that just comes to you, then it makes sense to then pave the way backwards. Um, I'd love to know how she did that. I'd love to know. Yeah. Would I? <laughs> she, she didn't uh, share like sort of how it happened but she did mm. talk about you know that that was the way she did it and I was yeah. very impressed yeah. by this very impressed I mean sometimes I have like not not a twist but sometimes I have like a scene in my in my head that, that then almost the, the novel seems to be sort of built around you know um sometimes that happens with other books that I've written there'll be like a a, a you know climactic scene or something that just really resonates with me and then it's almost like a, a novel is built around that idea um with this i think it was very much steve um, stephen the the main character who who ends up homeless and it was it was starting from the idea of what brought him there you know what what brought mm-hmm. him um and the, and why did his sister not end up homeless and what you know ah yes different paths yeah Right, like how does that happen if you're raised in sort of a, you know, the same family with, you know, the same sort of life experiences, like how do those paths diverge? Yeah, Yeah. Uh, I read quite a few of them, 
you know, I read obviously lots of articles about um, homelessness and I read in particular a, a letter from someone, it was a letter to my homeless brother. And it was kind of really interesting in that she, the, it was a real life letter, you know, to, to a real life homeless person. Um, and, you know, she, she kind of, because I think people assume that, you know, if you were to have a, a homeless sibling, that you would just take them in and make everything all right. You know, why would you not do that? But it's often- Right, but what if you can't, like you for can't, whatever reason? Yeah, or it's a, a lot, a lot more, um, you know, it's a lot more, it's often a lot more complicated than that. There's all sorts of reasons, you know. Um, she'd written in this letter how, you know, she couldn't help him, she loved him um, and, and it really hurt her to kind of go past him sometimes and see him sleeping outside, but she couldn't help him for all sorts of different reasons like addiction, right? you know, what mm -hmm. it would be for her family. And, you know, she had to think of her family. And so all these things were food for thought um, about what's really like to take in your homeless brother. Cause Emily in the book, she, she takes him in um, for a while, for a little while. Um, and so I wanted to kind of explore what that would really be like versus the kind of fairy tale idea about what it might be like. Right, because I think like everything else in the world, we have a sort of idealistic view of something yeah. that you know, most of us don't really have any personal experience with. So we just sort of decide like, well, if this happened, I yeah. would do this. Yeah, yeah, you have kind of rescue uh, fantasies, don't you, about, you know, if, if my brother was homeless, I'd take him in and I'd feed him up and get him sorted and he'd get a job and I'd have a lovely warm bed for him to sleep in and he'd soon be on his feet and, you know, <laughs> everything would be sorted. But it, it's so not like that, obviously. Um, right. So, for a lot of people, you know, it, it can't be like that for all sorts of reasons that yeah. you just can't know. You just can't know. And, and I think in this novel, the reason is there's this huge obstacle of this this thing that happened in their past that they've never spoken about and never dealt mm -hmm. with uh, and that's had a huge ripple effect um, going forward for both of them, for both the brother and the sister. Um, so until they kind of, you know, can, can talk about that and until they can um, sort of come to terms with the truth of what happened, they can't move on in their lives, either of them. So, yeah. So I'm switching gears a little bit because you have said that this is your second novel to be published in the U.S. Um, yeah. How many have you had published in the U.K.? This is my sixth novel in the U.K. Ooh. Yeah. So, um, so you, you have quite a backlist then. <laughs> I suppose so. Yeah. Yeah. It's, get, it's getting there. <laughs> um, it's getting there. I, um, yeah. So this is my sixth novel uh, it, it was out in the UK last week um, and it's out in the US obviously next Tuesday and then there's there's five others yeah but the, I think this is a slightly different direction I think this one and the one before both of which are, are published in the US um, are a slightly different direction from my previous ones which were more sort of standard women's fiction I guess and, and this is more a book club read you know kind of um family drama ah uh, beautiful beautiful women's fiction yeah, yeah it is one of my like most favorite things yes yes and this i'm sure this can be classed as women's fiction as well but it's just it's just slightly different uh, i guess it's it's slightly different themes mm -hmm. um yeah but yes no i've i've published uh 
five other ones apart from this and and the last one that was published in america is called little big love oh yes i've seen that i've seen yeah. that on um where did i see it in my library i think oh that's nice to know <laughs> yes so do you have plans for those first books that were originally published in the uk will they come out here eventually or that are we not that lucky <laughs> uh, <laughs> That's a conversation to have with my agent. Um, I mean, obviously, that would be fantastic. You know, I'd love to. I'd love to get be more widely read in, in the US. That's my aim. And, um, uh, you know, I, I aim to the next novel that I write, which I, I've only got vague ideas about at the moment. But the next novel that I write, I would love, you know, I'd love it to be published in the US. That would be the dream. So how does, how does that happen? Like, if you are primarily published in the UK, as you were, Mm -hmm. um, how does that sort of happen for you to then sort of get your, your foot in the door, metaphorically speaking, over here? Ah, yeah, well, good question. So um, my, how it happens, like, technically, is that my uh, British agent um, basically sells the book to American publisher. Uh, I actually had a American agent who did that me so it was co it was what's it's it's what is called co-represented so I had both my British agent and an American agent from a company called Fletcher and Co an agency a literary agency called Fletcher and Co they co sort of co-pitched um and Berkeley um bought it which is an imprint of Penguin bought it so yes how that happened they bought that and and this book so they bought two books so that was fantastic ah, okay okay yeah. so yeah. then theoretically anyway is it sort of an easier uh thing then to hope that like your next books will be published here or does that not matter a um, lot yeah no, I think, I think, you know, if it's good and people want to buy it, then there's no reason to, but, um, you know, it was a, a career, a career highlight to get, to get, you know, a, a deal in, in the States for sure. And, you know, everyone here, you know, all writers, all UK writers, you know, that, that's kind of a, a dream, you know, that's, that's the dream. Um, but yeah, I mean, I suppose it may give me some advantage, but I, I've just got to write a good book. I've just got to write the best book, you know, that people want to buy. And um, I don't think it really matters if I've been published before. I don't think I'm favoured for that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know. I may, I may be doing myself down there, but um, yeah, <laughs> you've just got to write the best book, haven't you? And just, you know, people will buy it on its merit. Right. I just wasn't sure if like if people knew you, if they were kind of familiar with your work, if that sort of helped them, you know, kind of look at like things that you've done in the past. And yeah, I'm, I'm sure that Berkeley, you know, Penguin will will look at with more interest my my new book when it's when it's done because they published two before. So, um, yeah. Yeah. So I guess it does help. Yeah. Well, I hope that we do um, get to see more from you here. That would Thank be. You. So do I. So I actually got an advanced copy of this book um, in audio. Ah. And I only got it on Tuesday. Okay. So I am talking to you about a book I haven't read. Um, but I'm very curious to know what part 
like what part you had in the audio? Like, did you get to pick your narrators in mm-hmm. both like the US or the UK? Mm-hmm. Like how, how did that work for you? Uh, well, it's not been sorted out in the UK yet, but um, yes, my, um, uh, so a lovely lady uh, sent me sort of like, um, what would you call it? Samples of various narrators. Um, so, so, so I guess she works in Penguin Audio. She's like a producer for the, for the audio books. Um, and she sent me a few narrators and um, got me to listen to them and what did I think? And then we went with the one that, you know, I thought and she she and I agreed on who was best. So I did have I did have input. Yeah. Yeah. That was really nice. Actually, when when you sort of hear people reading your words, it's it's a really lovely feeling. It really brings it to life. Um, and we went with someone who had just the right kind of tone because you don't know until you hear them. If right. it's that you had in your head, you know, um, yes. you, you, you're like, you'll, you'll know it when you hear it, you know, you'll be like, yeah, that, that's Emily, that's, that's my character, or, um, or that's really not. So, so yeah, that was, that's a really lovely part of doing it, actually. I really enjoyed that. Yeah, I'm very excited. I was excited to see it on Tuesday um, when mm-hmm. I got the advanced copies um, yeah. of various things. I was like, oh, it's here. <laughs> Oh, well, let me know what you think. I would love to know. I will. I will. I'm, I, we talk, talk a lot about audiobooks here. So we, um, you know, try to get as much as we can yeah. in audio. Um, I'm blind, so I don't read print. Oh, really? Wow. And okay. so I, you know, have to wait sometimes for the audio to come in order to have it in an advanced copy. Yeah. yeah. Oh, well, I'll be thrilled to know what you think about it. Um. Yes, I think it's becoming a lot more popular and it's, it's, I haven't quite got into it yet, but I kind of, I love listening to podcasts. So I'm sure that I will love listening to audible books and I need to get into it more. Um, I love reading, obviously, but I, I kind of, I think that would be a new dimension and lots of my friends have got into listening to books, you know, when they're driving, when they're doing the housework, when they're, you oh, know, yeah. they love that. So, so it's, yeah, it's a really nice thing to do. Like I'll be cooking later and I don't have to stop reading. I can just like, (laughs) yeah, yeah. I can just go and, you know, make dinner and my book will still be playing. And then once that's done, I can go groom the cat and, you know, the book will still (laughs) play. Um, Yes. I can just like walk around like for my whole day if I want to and keep reading. Yes. So good. And it, it is an amazing way to, you know, not just be stuck sort of in one spot yeah. because I can't, I can't like step away from my current book. Yeah. I wonder how that changes your experience of the story. You know, if you can, like you say, you can take it out on your earphones with you. You can go yes. walk, you can go, you can listen to it whilst you're in the shop. You know, it's, um, that's, that must be different. I should definitely try it. Yeah. I think it's an experience that, like, you know, the first time people listen to a book, they're often like, oh, you know, I, I don't know how I can, like, remember, like, your brain isn't always, like, geared up for it right away. Mm. Um, yeah. But for me, because if I don't do audio, you know, my options are very limited. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I read Braille as a child, and so little is put in Braille. So it's yeah. like, no, if you want to read as much as you you know think you do mm. um you better <laughs> you better get, get used into- to audio so what did you do before there was so many audio oh, books? i 
I mourned like very, very literally. I, I was so sad because there is a library here. And I think you have something similar um, mm. in the UK. I think yours is, what is it? RNIB, um, the uh, Royal National Institute for the Blind. Yes, Blind. yes. Mm -hmm. And we have what we call the National Library Service for the Blind and Print Disabled. And mm. what it does is it chooses yeah. books each, you know, each month that it records in a specialized format. But before things were digital, um, if I wanted a book, if it came out now, yeah. I would be lucky to have it like by next year. Wow, gosh. Like yeah. the process was so incredibly slow. Oh, so frustrating. So frustrating. And if it wasn't a bestseller, you know, if it wasn't like the latest Nora mm -hmm. Roberts, mm -hmm. um, you were very likely not to get it. I grew up as a romance reader mm. and I would see, you know, they would list like other books by whoever. Mm -hmm. And there would be so many books. And then I would ask the library, well, you know, what do you have by Elizabeth Lowell? And they would say, oh, we have four books. Mm, mm, and I'm like, yeah. right, because she's written, you know, 30. Um, <laughs> but you have four. That's beautiful. So, unfair. so, <laughs> so unfair. it has expanded, I think, so much in terms of access, yeah. Thank God. both like ebooks, um, mm -hmm. which can be read, you know, with a synthesized screen reader, mm -hmm. as well as just commercial audio that is available like on the same day of release mm -hmm. yeah okay right yeah that's so frustrating um but um yeah thank goodness it's kind of expanding more and more and more i think it's definitely a market that's expanding for everybody um, it is and i always encourage authors you know like to, to think about audio a lot of people don't think about it you know when they're like first writing they're like oh you know i'll put it on kindle or i'll you know publish it in print and it's mm. like, yes, but like, think about that audio market. Like, think of the people yes. who benefit from that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, you make, it, you make an excellent point there. And, um, and it is really exciting to hear your, your words read. It really is. It, it's a whole different dimension. So we are winding down here. But before I, I let you disappear, I have to ask you my very favorite question. <laughs> and that is, what have you read recently? that mm -hmm. you want the world to know about? Okay, so I have read a book called Small Pleasures, which uh, by Claire, let me get this right, no, let me get this right, Chambers, I think. Um, and it's, yes, yeah, sorry, I didn't know you were gonna ask that question, otherwise I'm so, <laughs> okay. I apologize to Claire, whatever her name is, if, if I've got her surname wrong, but it's a, a beautiful, beautiful novel. Um, and I very much recommend that. Um, and also I'm reading by a friend of mine, a book called The Attic Child. I've just, just finished that, um, which is a sweeping sort of epic historical novel. Um, oh, historical novels are the best. Yes, historical novel about black history. Um, oh. And it's fabulous. It's so interesting. It's brilliant. It's, it's so epic, you know, in its kind of sweepingness. You know, I think it spans like... Well, it actually spans a hundred years, the, the characters, some of the characters. Um, and I love that. I love novels where, you know, I'd, lo I'd love to write one of those one day, um, a kind of big sweeping epic, you know, going over decades and years of someone's life. Um, oh, yes. Yeah, it's fantastic. It's really, really good. Um, yeah. So that, 
uh, and and small pleasures is completely different to that. It's quite domestic and quite sort of small in its in that kind of scope. You know, it's more it's very much the kind of um, emotional world that's that's big in that book. You know, it's actually based in sort of the South London suburb and it's quite kind of small, um, but it's nonetheless wonderful. Uh, and then Girl, Woman, Other, which I don't know if it's been huge in the States. Like It won a, what did it win? I think like the, some sort of big prize here. Like yeah. At the end of 2020, I think. I think it was the Women's Prize for Fiction here, I think. I've got that That, right. that is very possible. Yeah. I am not as up on my like big literary prizes as perhaps I ought to be. Yeah, no, I mean, God, it doesn't matter, does it? It doesn't matter. But um, but yeah, it's it's all you should know is that it's just a fantastic book. It's funny, it's fascinating, it's made up, it's lots of sort of 12 short stories to make up a novel. They're all sort of interlinked. It's really clever in the way she does it. All the characters are separate stories but they're all linked in some way um, all the characters are either related or their past link or it, uh, and it's 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 brilliant so those are three really quite different books um thank you loved yeah <laughs> I, i'm always i think authors have some of the best answers to those questions <laughs> because you are often asked like to read things you know, before they come out and like to supply blurbs for them. Yeah. Um, and so I, I always love when yeah. authors, you know, can tell me kind of what they have been loving. It, it gives me something to look for. Not that I, I need more books. Um, <laughs> no, I bet in you my don't. World, but who, who doesn't technically like need more mm. books, right? Like it's, it's a thing. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's, um, um, Exactly. And I, I loved my, my reading tastes are, are, are very wide, although I don't really read thrillers, actually, even though they seem to be the, the most, you know, the oh, biggest thrillers. Just not thrillers really make me so happy. Do they? Yeah. I mean, they make they do. me happy. I'm not saying I don't like them. Like I have read some excellent thrillers, but they're not my go to. They're not my go to choice. So, um, yeah. I suppose it's, uh, you know, I'm not a thriller writer, am I? So. Um, I'm, yeah, I'm not, I'm not as interested in thrillers as I am in other kinds of book. Well, that's okay. We need people to write and read like all the books that there are. So exactly. <laughs> you don't have to read the thrillers. Like someone else can do that. Exactly. Plenty of people can do that. Yes. Well, I want to thank you so much for taking time out of yeah. your schedule to chat with me and to let my listeners get to know a little bit about you and your work. And I definitely hope that we will see more from you. Um, I will be starting your novel this mm. weekend. I was hoping to get it read before I chatted with you, um, yeah, but worry. it didn't appear until Tuesday. Uh, well, I listen. Listen. I hope you hope you enjoy it. Um, and it's been a real pleasure to talk to you. Thank you so much for having me on. Before you dash off, can you let listeners know the best place to find you online? Yes, so I am on Twitter at Katie Regan Writes. I am on Instagram at Regs Writes, spelt R W G Z. It's kind of a nickname, my friend. R W G Z Writes, yeah. And Facebook, uh, just as Katie Regan. Um, I've, I do have an author page on Facebook, but I tend to just use 
you know, my personal one for kind of book stuff and everything okay. else. So there you go. And I've got a website, www.katyregan.com. And you are Katie, K-A-T-Y, just for yeah. listeners, um, if they're looking for you. And it's Regan, not Reagan. Yeah. Perfect. All right. So this has been a discussion with author Katie Regan and her novel, How to Find Your Way Home, which will be releasing in the US on February 15th. All right, so let's talk about some new books out this week. So as always, I'm starting out with something you've heard us mention before. This is the only book that we've mentioned previously. This is one of Georgina's most anticipated January releases, and it is The Year of Cecily from Sunset Park with Love by Lisa Lynn. Now, let's move on to some books that you haven't heard us talk about before. All right, I'm going to start with some fantasy. We have a new Christian painter. This is Monster in the Mirror. Shadow Vale, book six. Now, Christian Painter is someone who can write kind of the light, fluffy urban fantasy, like her Nocturne Falls books. Um, she also has some darker stuff that feels more sort of like, um, I don't know, things like, like Danica Dark or some of the, um, some of the more like Ilona Andrews. So she's just a very versatile author. So once again, this is Monster in the Mirror, and it's Shadow Veil, book six by Kristen Painter. Speaking of Ilona Andrews, I'm excited to tell you that we have Magic Tides. This is Kate Daniels' Wilmington Years, book one, and this is a longer novella. So I'm not sure what that means, but that is how it's described, a long novella. Um, I am not usually a fan of novellas, like short books, you know, but I think especially with a series like Kate Daniels that so many people love and so many people are kind of wanting to you know, check in on the characters, see what's happening with them like later, you know, after the main story arc is over. So if you are a fan of Kate Daniels, this is definitely for you. Unfortunately, the audio is not out yet. Um, this is paperback and Kindle at the moment, but it's Magic Tides, Kate Daniels, Willington Years, book one by Ilona Andrews. Kate Elliott has a new book out. This is called The Keepers Six, and it looks to be a standalone. It is about a woman who is looking to rescue her son who has been kidnapped by a dragon lord. Um, this is definitely like female empowered, lots of spells, um, just basically, you know, women kind of ruling the world um, in sort of a, a metaphorical way. But this one is The Keepers Six, and it's by Kate Elliott. We also have Queen Among the Dead. This is by Leslie Livingston. This is a standalone. It's set in 
an ancient Celtic-inspired kingdom. Um, I read Livingston's Valiant series a few years ago and really, really loved it. It kind of reminded me of like the, the Roman gladiators. Um, so I'm excited to see what this one looks like. Um, and this is Queen Among the Dead by Leslie Livingston. We also have kind of a dystopian book out this week. This is Manifest. It's Muse Book Two by Brittany Cavallero. And it's set in a society where America has a monarchy and our heroine is trying to overthrow what she views as a corrupt government. So this is Manifest, Muse, book two by Brittany Cavallero. All right, let's talk about some romance here. If you love historical romance, with smart women, then my next book out today is one that should interest you. This is A Love by Design, Secret Scientists of London, book three by Elizabeth Everett. And these are um, historical romances that feature different types of female scientists. Now, if you want your books to be, you know, um, how do I say, these are a little bit lighter in terms of, you know, you have like mistakes that happen in the lab and they're, they're supposed to be kind of light and funny, but with still sort of that, you know, female lead empowering. Um, we also, you know, get to see like women holding positions that they're not usually holding in historicals, especially like British historicals during the Regency. So, these are a lot of fun, but do note that they are, you know, a little bit lighter in terms of content. This is A Love by Design, Secret Scientists of London, book three by Elizabeth Everett. Moving on to some contemporaries, we have The Backup Plan. This is Sunrise Cove, book three by Jill Shalvis. People love Jill Shalvis um, often because of the animals that she includes in her books, but also she just creates these really charming small towns that really pull people in from the very beginning and like make you, you know, wish that you could live there. Um, to be transparent, I've never read Jill Shalvis, but I know that a lot of people love her. And so it seemed worth mentioning here. This is The Backup Plan, Sunrise Cove, book three by Jill Shalvis. We then have A Guide to Being Just Friends by Sophie Sullivan. And I don't need to tell you much about this because you know the title sort of gives you that little roadmap of how this is supposed to go. And as we know in romance novels, you're not going to be just friends. Um, Stacy talked about a previous book by this author uh, sometime last year. What is it? How to Love Your Neighbor, I think it's called. Um, so that was one that Stacy mentioned, I think on a monthly picks episode. But this is the latest Sophie Sullivan, and it is a guide to being just friends. 
Let's talk now about some mystery, thriller, suspense, all those twisty, creepy things. Starting us off here, we have One Down by Diana Wilkinson. And this is a very, very cool premise. I'm very excited for this. Do the crossword clues spell out a murder? Hmm. I love when authors kind of take like bits of our everyday lives and weave them into mysteries like this. And my partner is a really big crossword fan. So I just think that's a very cool premise, kind of like when um, Hannah Alcaf did Queen of the Tiles about a Scrabble tournament. Both of those just seem really cool to me. So this is One Down by Diana Wilkinson. We then have The Fraud Squad by Kyla Zhao. This is about a woman who infiltrates Singapore's high society and uncovers all kinds of secrets, but also puts herself at quite a bit of risk. I have never heard of this author before. I believe this is a debut, but it looks super cool. I love books where people are infiltrating something, you know, kind of going undercover, pretending to be someone they're not. Um, so I'm definitely planning to pick this up. It is The Fraud Squad by Kyla Zhao. This next book has like the best title. This is Everyone in My Family Has Killed Someone by Benjamin Stevenson. And this is exactly what it sounds like, a family of killers. Now, our protagonist tells us that like some of these killings have been accidental. Some of them are justified. You have to kind of decide which is which, but truly everyone in his family has killed someone. So this is, again, Everyone in My Family Has Killed Someone by Benjamin Stevenson. Melinda Lee is releasing the latest in her Brie Taggart series this week. This is Lie to Her, Brie Taggart book six, again by Melinda Lee. Melinda Lee is so, so prolific and writes these very complex, very twisty, some of them feel like police procedurals, some are more private investigator novels, but they're always very, very compulsively readable. Um, I'm never bored when I'm reading a Melinda Lee. I love her supporting characters. I love the settings that she creates for her books. Uh, I'm just a big fan of hers all around. So this one is Lie to Her, Detective Brie Taggart, book six by Melinda Lee. And we have a new PJ Tracy book as well. This is The Devil You Know, Margaret Nolan, book three. I am most familiar with Tracy's Monkey Wrench series. And those were super popular, probably, I don't know, 15, somewhere between 15 and 20 years ago. Um, there were, I believe, six of them and they're just so so fun like lots of like computer hacking and the settings were often like in the northern parts of Wisconsin I think there were some set kind of in Minnesota um, but Tracy has since moved away from Monkey Wrench as you know everyone must do after a while 
and has created um, Detective Margaret Nolan, who is a police detective that we've followed through a couple of books now. And this is the latest in that series. And it is The Devil You Know, Margaret Nolan, book three by PJ Tracy. I want to talk about a historical novel by Marie Benedict. This is The Mitford Affair. Marie Benedict has done a stellar job of kind of peeling back the curtain on a lot of women in history who don't get the notice that they deserve, often kind of the women like behind history's famous men. But now she is turning her attention to the Mitford sisters and we're concentrating on the era like right between the two world wars. And we are learning who the Mitford sisters were and how it was that they were able to kind of have their fingers in all sorts of pies during this very tumultuous period of history. So this is The Mitford Affair by Marie Benedict. And that my friends is all I have for you this week. I hope everyone is finding lots of great things to read. 2023 is definitely starting out with a lot of fantastic books. So I hope that you are, of course, safe, well, and most importantly, well-read. If you would like to leave us a rating or a review, you can do that on Apple Podcasts or any other platform that you use to access the show. Not only does it tell us what you think, but it also helps other people find us when they're looking for book-related podcasts. Um, It kind of advances us in the Google algorithm. So I will be back next Tuesday morning with an author interview and, of course, the guide to new releases. And some number of us will be back on Friday with more bookish greatness. Take care, everybody.